In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. You are listening to A Psychic Story, a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every other Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. There are hidden powerful meanings in wisdom and tattoos, both in the symbolism behind them as well as the ancient practice of getting one applied. Cultures that practiced shamanic tattooing laid the groundwork for today's modern exploration of the tattoo process. Tattoos are revelations and proclamations of your dreams, emotions, and can even hint at past lives. That's why I'm very excited to have Lisa Beretta join this episode of A Psychic Story. For 35 years, Lisa has researched the fields of consciousness and psychic sensing. A member of the National Council for Geocosmic Research, the Federation of Astrologers, and the International Astrological Research, Her work in the metaphysical is backed by scientific studies and experts in their respective fields. More importantly, Lisa published a book, Conscious Inc., that shows how skin art interfaces with our body's own energy field and reveals how tattoo imagery can help expand our own self-awareness. In addition to her book, Conscious Inc., Lisa also authored The Street Smart Psychic's Guide to Getting a Good Reading and The Book of Transformation. As an astrologer, Reiki practitioner, and intuitive counselor, I can't wait to hear more about her metaphysical journey and dive into the ancient practice of and wisdom behind tattoos. Please join me in welcoming Lisa to a psychic story. Hey, Lisa, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. And so it's summer solstice and you're able to chat today with Lisa Beretta, everyone. And she's here to first, what we like to do is start out a little bit about how you even got started in the business. And when I say the business, the industry (laughs) of all things metaphysical, spiritual, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Well, we're going to go back. I'm going to rewind back to the time I was about three or four years old. I used to see spirits. And then I would tell my mom and dad I saw them and they just thought I had a fantastic imagination. Then when I went to grade school, my big thing was all the kids were talking about their toys. I was talking about my zodiac sign. And I started to buy these little tiny books about your sign that you could get in any type of a checkout counter. And then I bought my, well, I actually sent away for my first set of tarot cards when I was about 14 years old. And I started to read my friend's cards and I, it was like a natural thing. And then fast forward a little bit, when I was about 20, 21 years old, I had a past life reading and this guy knew nothing about me. 
He was amazing. He told me that I did this in a prior life, and he didn't even know at the time that I had an interest in astrology or, or tarot cards, ghosts, past lives, abductions, you name it. I mean, I guess you could say I'm a typical Pisces. Anything that's metaphysical, paranormal appeals to me. And what did your family and friends think when you started? I mean, as a child, I would imagine that it's, you know, imaginary playmates and other things like that. But then when you started reading tarot cards and everything, was it just for fun or did people take you seriously? Oh, all my friends took me seriously, especially the first time I wanted to, I would play around with them for myself and more or less have like tarot solitaire until I got familiar with the cards. And the first time I read a group of my girlfriends, there were about four or five of us together. And I had predicted something about a girl who was not in the group. And I didn't realize, I'm just saying things and, you know, they're listening. Actually, what it turned out, I felt that this girl was going to get pregnant. But I saw her making a long distance move and all kinds of things are coming up in the cards. As it turned out, about three months later, no one could find this girl. They thought she was a runaway when actually she moved from the East Coast to the West Coast because she was pregnant. So, yeah, did you find it hard? I do this with my friends, right? They know now not to really ask me. I say I'm not a parlor trick, right? Or I'm not just oh, yeah. for it. But if I do get a message, I will happily give my friends that message. But it's I, I try and keep it off unless I'm turning it on. And are your friends respectful of that as well? They are. Over the years, one thing you have to learn when you do this type of work, whether it be astrology or tarot, is you have to learn to have boundaries. Because if you don't have boundaries, no matter where you go, someone's going to say, did you bring your cards? Or make sure you bring your cards. At a certain point, I wasn't going to get invited anywhere unless the cards could come too. They were my plus one. Mm -hmm. So I had to put up boundaries and, and have them realize that I do it. But you, as anyone who has any type of abilities, you're not always on basketball player could be a star basketball player but he's not going to make every basket but it doesn't mean he's less of a star and that's what people I think need to understand about anyone who's in the metaphysical field it's not that they were wrong it means they're not any good we have our off days we have our on days we have our troubles and our problems also and we run to our psychics to get an answer (laughs) it took me a while to to realize that actually it took me to into my 30s until I realized that, you know, you better put up boundaries. Yeah, I I definitely find that. And I like to describe it because people ask me and I would like to ask you because we haven't talked about this, but what it's like for me. So when I get a message, a lot of times it's almost like tuning into radio frequency to your point. Like sometimes you're on, sometimes you're not. Sometimes the signal's really strong, sometimes it isn't. And I think that that's a dance between the energy and we can get into that later. But it's just more of an intuitive knowing and a feeling. And then I know that especially if I'm not thinking about something in particular, and it pops in just out of nowhere, then that is something that is more divine and guided. And then especially if I get a different feeling when I'm tuning in, what it, what do you feel, especially like walk me through as well. I find it fascinating that you can see you saw spirits when you were younger. Do you still like each one of those um, a little bit? Oh, yeah, I, I still have visits. And um, the, the same thing, get back to your original question about can mm-hmm. you turn it off? Can you turn it on? I don't think it's about turning it off and on. We're, we're always psychic, but if I'm with a group of people, I have enough distractions going on where I'm not focusing in on anybody's one. Like that's invasive anyway. And you really should not, that's a cold reading, tell somebody something and, unless they ask. Of course, if you pick up something that you feel they need to know, because you just have that feeling that don't go on that trip or you, you shouldn't do this, then tell them, but it's how you deliver the message. Now I, I know with my kids, I'm pretty straightforward if I get a feeling and then that's always, you know, they want to shoot the messenger, <laughs> but I can't help myself when it comes to them. You know? 
Yeah. And that's what I, that's what I meant more. I don't read people normally or anything like that. I have a normal, like, or a regular job where I go into the office. And um, I recently in the last several years was just very open, not just with my friends and family, but then also my coworkers in the corporate field about what I do, which is the other reason why I wanted to start this show was so that people could share their stories about their past forward and also help other people understand and embrace it in case they're questioning or wanting to understand their path forward and what they can do and to not be so afraid and to not be scared of things as they're evolving because that it is a it's a natural process. Yes, and I think we're all intuitive. We we all have gifts. The psychic senses are nothing more than the upgrade to our physical senses and I think everyone has them, but if you don't honor them or become aware of them, then you don't really pay attention to them. And I, I tell a lot of people when I, I, I want my clients or the people I know to really use their own intuition first, their own guidance. And then if they need somebody to weigh in on a second opinion or help them fine tune it, then go for a, a reading. Some people just put it all in the hands of the reader and say, fix it. It's never a quick fix. So what I tell, and this usually works out, kind of muscle test what you want to know. If someone really wants to know, should I stay in this job or leave it? Write yourself a note, like a very specific note about the job and put the name on it and how does it feel to stay or leave and then hold the paper, then pull it in close to your solar plexus area. And you're either going to feel like pulled forward towards that or you're going to feel pushed back. And that's how you start to become aware, like, hmm, I know how to turn on my intuition now. I know how to to start to trust myself. Because I think a lot of people rely on psychic readings as the silver bullet for any problem or the cheat sheet to a test. And we all have our own journey. I really take it seriously, what I do. And, you know, it's more about giving the potential and the possibilities and not so much prediction because everyone has free will. You can tell someone, which I have in the past, you really should not marry that guy. It's not going to be as you think, but because they'll ask me, is it a good choice? And I'll tell them why it looks like it's not a good choice. Not my opinion. And then they do what they want to do anyway. And then afterwards they come back and they say, you were right. It didn't work out. But I use astrology in tandem with the tarot because that really helps me. One is my golden key and one is my silver key. So it helps me kind of get a better sense of timing and the energy that I'm working with. And you mentioned some, and I, and that's great that you find that balance. And I want to dig into a little bit of that here shortly. When you talked about the, the stress test or the actual um, physical test of writing something down on a piece of paper and then seeing how your muscle and your body reacts to it, that also is a segue into also, I would imagine your book about conscious ink and hidden symbols and other things, because you've said before that the spoken word is powerful, but the written word and the symbolism and everything else is even more ancient and even more pure. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Exactly. The inception of conscious ink actually came about because I was researching how birthmarks are actually clues to past life. And Dr. Ian Stevenson, who was affiliated with University of Virginia, he had a whole department on this, and he wrote some amazing books, and he did studies that are unbelievable. So at the end of this article that I wrote, a blog post, and I put it on LinkedIn, it's like, can tattoos be spiritual birthmarks? And that led me into, wow, symbols are very powerful. You can look at a symbol, and it'll say a million things to you. You, you know what it, it represents, like a logo. And, of course, everybody knows you know, the good symbols and what we think are the bad symbols. So when you consciously tattoo, even when you put on silly tattoos, if you want to put Mickey Mouse on you, you're putting that symbol on. And what it's doing, it's feeding into your consciousness. 
Like, why, why do you want that? And some people who are maybe very serious-minded have Mickey Mouse to show people their silly side or their lighter side. But beyond that, in one chapter, well, I could have made this chapter really big. I, I believe it was chapter six. The importance of symbols and what they mean. And when you put them on your body, you're basically wearing your magic. For instance, you need more strength in your life or you want to speak up more. You may not even realize it at the time. You may be inclined to want maybe a tiger, you know, so you're imparting that energy into your body. And some people who, who get tattoos, they don't research their symbol and they're basically wearing a symbol that may not really vibe with who they are because what the symbol does, it wakes up uh, the archetypes inside of you. They all, now keep in mind, like acupuncture. Now, when they give you acupuncture, they're around all your meridians and, you know, they're moving your energy along. When you're getting a tattoo, the piercing of the skin also moves energy. Of course, it doesn't go in as deep as the acupuncture needle, but it's still moving the energy and opening a portal. And I cover all the mysticism with tattoos in Chapter 3. And some of the people I interviewed were had incredible stories of their tattoo experience. I mean, really amazing. As a matter of fact, it made me go out and get another tattoo after I talked to these people. That is very fascinating. So first of all, I have a lot of questions there. What are your tattoos that you have? Before I wrote the book, I would say, wow, maybe about 20 years ago, I got my first tattoo. And on the back of my neck, it's a just the glyph for my zodiac sign, which is Pisces. Very small. It's only about the size of maybe a half dollar. And I didn't realize it at the time until I wrote the book. After I got that tattoo, I went through this personal journey and metamorphosis, made a lot of changes in my life, whether they were conscious or unconscious. And I became more, like I would say, more my Pisces self instead of my Virgo moon, which was always very critical, picky, and totally A-type. So I started mm-hmm. to embrace the Pisces side more. Uh, I wrote my first book, The Street Smart Psychic's Guide to Getting a Good Reading. And believe me, never did I ever want to write a book. I didn't even want to do homework. And that book just <laughs> came about. <laughs> then the second book and the third book. And then after I wrote Conscious Inc., The Hidden Meaning of Tattoos, after I talked to Damon Rowanchild, who was like my mainly featured tattoo artist, he is amazing. I started to research symbols. And what I did is I, I designed, I guess you can call it almost like a sickle for the upper left arm because I wanted it on the left arm. And I have basically symbols for different planetary energies that I wanted to shore up in myself. But I used the alchemy symbols for the planets. Instead of the moon, I used this alchemy symbol for silver I designed this really cool almost line art tattoo, and that worked. Oh, and then after I got that tattoo, the tattooist who did it, his name's Nick Santiago. He's amazing. I didn't know Nick at the time I wrote the book. I wish I did, but he's but he was another tattoo shaman that I ran into. When he gave me that tattoo, we stood there and we looked at each other, and I said, I think I need something else. He goes, okay, let's just connect. Don't speak, and we're, we're just going to connect. And we did. And then all of a sudden he said, okay. And he drew a fern on my wrist. And he goes, do you like that? I go, I do like that. He goes, let's ink it. And we inked it. When I went home, I looked up the meaning of fern. And it's like, wow, it showed sincerity to others, able to keep a confidence and basically embracing your psychic abilities. And we didn't know what the symbol meant at the time. He just was feeling a fern. And it feels good on my wrist. And it's like, I need it one more now. I wasn't satisfied. I really was never into the lotus because I thought, wow, the lotus is so overdone every spa you go to has a big lotus and anybody does reiki has a big lotus logo but after i wrote the book and i realized really what the lotus symbol means and the petals of the lotus the expansion of consciousness now i wanted a lotus and i had the lotus i guess you could call it between my angel wing area on my back and i picked out the colors that i wanted i needed a lot of 
like purpley hues in there and I wanted the um symbol kind of like worked into the lotus because I really felt that what I needed in my life at this stage to be more peaceful, show more gratitude and basically, you know, really get that type A part of me under control. And I must say, I feel it worked. I got a tattoo when I was a teenager and I think, you know, for me it was I wanted a, a little bit of a rebellion in there and I forget that I have it because it's kind of on my lower back. And every other year or so, I feel like I want to add something. And I'm like, nope, don't do it. Because I want to, I've intuitively felt that exactly what you said, when you put something on your body, especially when it's permanent like that, and even when you remove it, it does scar. And so there's still the energy there. But that you should be very intention-based you know, based and, and know what you want to be bringing into your life, both physically, mentally, exactly. spiritually, and emotionally. And do you have any, like, where areas on the body, if somebody wants a certain type of energy to come in or a certain area, like grounding, for example. Chapter two, I went into the whole thing where, you know, the design you pick out, of course, you want it to fit the contours of your body and the tattoo artist will go over that with you. But in chapter two, I list how the body has its own voice also. Certain parts of the body resonate to certain energies. For example, if you want to put something on the calf of your leg, that's more like stability in your life. Your feet are for grounding. Your hands are for what you embrace in life. So I go through basically all the body parts and say, if you want to get a tattoo, because maybe you do feel that you need to be more stable. Okay, let's put it on the leg. And then there's the right side of the body or the left side of the body. They both have their own voice also. Then it's like, what symbol do you want? And you and sometimes it's best to design your own tattoo. Make it your own. You can go into a shop and you can see all the flash art, but, but make it your own. Actually, take the time because this is a part of you now. This symbol is going to become a part of your consciousness. You're going to resonate with this symbol. And it's going to say more about you than anything. And it is going to wake up an archetype in you also. And I have that in chapter, I think, five, how we all embody these different personas. So maybe you want to bring out more of the, the warrior in you, speak up more to be a little bit more, you know, uh, forward in situations and not so shy. So what symbol will help that warrior have a voice and what part of your body do you need it? So it makes it, you're more hands-on on picking your tattoo because it is a part of you. And there are people that just, you know, went out and got a tattoo because their friend got one. And after I talked to these people, they said, you know what, in a weird sense, maybe I needed that symbol when I got it. I, I talked to very few people that had regrets. The only people that had regrets were the ones who either had a bad tattoo artist or had gang-related tattoos. You know, they, they were the people that were sorry they did it because that also, and I said with the gang tattoos, prior life, maybe you're, you're just honoring a, a past life as somebody who maybe was a criminal or didn't have such a nice life, you know, but it, it needed to be resolved in some way. But the book explains it, and there it's a quick read, I, I think. Altogether, it's seven chapters, but they all flow from what it, what it means to get a tattoo, how to pick a tattoo artist. Even the shop that you go to has a certain energy to it. There's a difference between walking into a shop that's kind of dirty and not looking together or a shop where somebody's actually burning incense, playing some cool music, the, the energy and everything. And most importantly, a lot of people don't realize getting a tattoo is a blood ritual. And in any type of, I guess you could say, metaphysical, paranormal type of event, a blood ritual is very potent because blood is our chi or our life force. And when you have blood, they say the spirit world or the other dimensions are attracted to that. So you're forming a bond with your tattoo artist in a sense 
because you're having this sharing this blood ritual. So know your tattoo artist also. You don't want somebody who's high or all drunk. So when you do it consciously, wow, you get the the full impact of being there. You you really get what it's supposed to be. The same as if you differences you read your daily horoscope and on your inbox, it's one thing, but if you really go to an astrologer and really sit down and do it the proper way, it's a whole other experience. And you get a lot of enlightenment from getting a tattoo, from getting a tarot reading, from getting your astrology chart done because all of these things are tools that somehow over the centuries have been kind of put in a box that says silly nonsense, when actually they're very valuable and self-empowering. Yeah, you mentioned that there were some healings and a lot of people that are in the book and you, you share their stories. Give us an example of one of the healing things, because I think that while somebody may want to bring in energy that they may be off balance or something, and I love the idea about the Pisces thing because I'm very type A as well, but then also the fact that you could be, you could even do something from a healing, like an ultimate like physical healing or emotional healing standpoint on top of it that can be even more powerful when you consciously, like you said, choose your artist, choose your symbols like you did and and just move forward and be very conscious about it. Right. And one of the, the most powerful stories, well, there are a lot of them, but there's two that really stand out, although they're, they're all amazing. One woman went to Damon and she's in the medical profession and she had had, you know, a, a mastectomy and an issue with her breast. So she wanted to go get a tattoo from Damon because she had heard that he does this transformative tattooing where he uses almost a poking method. Because when you tap, just tapping on the body is, in a sense, moving energy and healing. So she wanted to add beauty back to her body where she had the scar. So prior to getting this, she always had a weird ache or a pain there. and But she wanted the tattoo anyway. She got the tattoo. Now, keep in mind, she's in the medical profession, and she wrote this in, and she signed off and said, yes, print it. And I printed her words. They're not mine. When she went home that night, she laid in bed, and she said she actually saw, like, this dark, sinewy smoke coming out of the area that was tattooed. And as this image of smoke left, the pain that she had always had there left also. So Damon, because of who he is and how he tattoos, and he it's real healing the way he does it, and the symbols that she picked and the colors actually brought about a healing for her on all levels of consciousness. You know, physically, she liked it, but just mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, it did something. It moved some energy block. She may have been holding a block of energy there that was, you know, related to the trauma of having the operation. And somehow the tattoo just kind of released that energy the same way you could say acupuncture moves energy. Mm-hmm. Then another story, I love this one. He's featured in uh, Chapter 6, where I do symbols, Dave. Uh, Dave was a police officer who had post-traumatic stress syndrome, and he really was having a tough time with it. So he also went to Damon, and he wanted a tattoo on the side of his torso of a boat and the words to the song Shipwreck. So Damon did it, and he did a beautiful job. Now, they gave me the picture to put in the book and that Dave had post-traumatic stress. Now I figured as an author and as somebody who wants to see how this fits in, I went through what all of the symbols in his tattoo, what they represent, and I kind of formulated my own hypothesis about how this brought about his healing. Then afterwards, I got a great note from him. He said, thank you so much. He said, I never really realized, but you're right, what the symbols represent, what the boat represents, how the water represents the healing, the words, and it's amazing. I mean, you could sit and read tattoos endlessly you know but these are people that did it consciously they Mm -hmm. they needed to honor something in themselves and that's how they work through their trauma 
but in a sense, they received a healing. I'm like so into tattoos. I mean, yeah, I'm probably going to get another one. And I think that what you were saying about both both of these people is that they went into it with intent, but they felt that there was a need. And at first, maybe it was just like, you know, they may think that they're being a little bit rebellious or they may think that they are making something beautiful, but inherently they just knew that they needed to move something or heal something in their bodies. And so they went to a place that actually would bring about all of that. And I think that that's so great also that you list out if somebody is interested in learning more about it in the book, they can actually go in and like you said, pick the tattoo artist and figure out the symbolism and everything else that goes with it. And that's just great. But what about the overall like symbols? Like they're ancient, right? So they go back from like the dawn of time Um, back in the day also to like Indians and all of that, like they use them as ways because they didn't have the technology that we have. And so I think sometimes we forget about just the history and the meaning and the mysticism that these symbols bring about. Oh, yeah. They found uh, Egyptian mummies where the women actually had fertility symbols tattooed on their abdomen because they believed that by putting the fertility symbols on their abdomen, these women would either have an easy childbirth or if they had difficulty getting pregnant, would be able to experience a pregnancy the Polynesian people, to get a tattoo was an honor. You you had to earn your tattoo because it's crossing a threshold. And it really is because when you get a tattoo, you're, you're changed because, first of all, you've altered your body, so that's changed. And something inside of you changes, too. And when you sit with your tattoo, you can't help but love it. And it does re- release endorphins when you get it. We can't overlook that. But I feel that the symbols are the most important. I actually interviewed a group of women who... Um, so they all wanted to get the cancer, the little cancer, you know, tie symbol, ribbon, because a friend who was going through cancer and they wanted to support her. One woman didn't want to do it. And I said, is there a reason why you chose not to get that symbol? And she said, yes, because I did not want to embody the symbol for fear that I would get cancer. I would dwell on it and I would thought I would co-create it. So everyone has their own personal mm-hmm. way of dealing with their consciousness. And I respect her for that. It's not that she didn't want to support her friend, but she knew herself well enough that that symbol is not for her. And you, if it's not for you, don't do it because somebody else is getting it. You have to resonate with it. You have to real. your body has to want it. Yeah, that's definitely true with, with all of that. It's just being in tune with yourself and knowing what is, what's possible, but then also going into it with intent. Like somebody who got three sixes had nothing but did it as a joke. I wrote about that, I think, in the book, too. And she thought it was going to be funny to get the three sixes, the, the mark of the beast. But because of how she knew that symbol, what it meant, she said when she got it, she just seemed to attract a lot of negativity into her life. She was mugged. You know, <laughs> she lost things. It just it, it was not a good symbol for her. And because it all starts with intention and her intention was basically to be, you know, a smart ass and she got what she wanted. <laughs> So we we had talked before about chakras as a whole and also like where you place the, you know, where you place tattoos on your body. Tell, tell us a little bit about chakras and um, how tattoos can kind of help influence the energy within that. Well, our chakras are basically our human spark plugs. And uh, for example, they, they all relate to a psychic sense, the higher psychic sense. Like, for example, your root chakra relates to your psychic sense of smell. That's how come some psychics can go into um, a room when there's a paranormal event and they can smell a cigar, they can smell food or a perfume because they're very open, they're grounded. Just, you know, just like when the, the heart chakra 
that chakra has a lot to do with psychometry. When you hold something, you touch something, what you feel from it. So even though the chakras, we view them as going down our spine, of course, they're just not there. They go in and out the front and the back. So sometimes when you tattoo around the chakra center, you can empower that chakra. Even if it doesn't have to be a specific chakra symbol, you can put a flower and make it a color that relates to that chakra because each chakra is related to colors also. And I do feel there's you know, there's more than just the seven main chakras. There are a lot of chakras on our body. We have a, a lot of them are on our hands and our feet. That's how come we can sense things where we walk. Mm-hmm. Does that feel safe? Do we touch things? Does that feel right? But the, the main ones are the ones that get the most press because to educate everybody in chakras, we, we need a school for that. And I wish they would teach it in school. But when you tattoo, you are tattooing near a main meridian, a chakra center. So read chapter two and find out like, okay, what meridian am I activating now? Because you are activating it. The energy in that area is going to play out. Yeah, I think, again, it's this whole thing. I'm, I definitely want to get the book. I did not have a chance to get it yet. Yes, I'm definitely going to be getting the book and reading about it because now I'm wanting to get another one. And yeah, it's just so great. So let's kind of change tracks a little bit and talk a little bit more too. So you grew up knowing that you had this gift and this ability and nurturing it. You had friends and family that were very nurturing. You mentioned that you had you know children as well. What advice would you give to people that um, are going through this, you know, or having had abilities, because I believe that we all do as children. And as we get older, we sometimes are either afraid or we stay away from it. And we don't necessarily want to go in that direction because of what society or what others tell us or for fear of judgment. What tips would you give people either for themselves or for their children? Yeah, because I feel that uh, there's a large faction of children now that get written off as being autistic or different. I just think they're tuned a little differently and they're more intuitive. You know, they feel things more than have to do things. They get a, they have feelings they are very sensitive. I would say, first of all, you have to get rid of the fear because fear is false emotions appearing real. You know, I was always reluctant. People would say, what do you do for a living? And I I used to just flip it back to what I went. My formal education is in art, graphic design, art history. So I say, oh, I'm an artist. Because as soon as I would say, well, I'm an astrologer. And I also intuitively read the tarot. You know, most people, yeah, you believe in that stuff. And that shuts it right down. Or you get the other people that are so curious. They want to sit and they want to pick your brain. And then they would stick their palm in my face. It's like, no, I'm not a palm reader. Why don't you just tell me what this one line means? <laughs> you know? So the thing is, I think it's more mainstream stream now. I do feel that this generation, the one past mine, my children's generation, they, they feel they're more open, you know, to this. They're, they're about being authentic and honoring who they are and not being afraid of it. Because when you use it respectfully, it's like any gift you have when you use it respectfully, it can enhance your own life more so than being, you know, the entertainment for other people. You can use it for yourself. I, some of my peers, what they do sometimes is they just have for themselves, they'll shuffle the tarot cards and in the morning randomly pick one card and that's their message for the day. And you, you take the information in that card, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And if it's a bad card, you know that you have the power now to flip it and work through that. Because not every journey is pleasant. We all have to go through tough times. And it helps you tune in. When you look at the cards, there are so many different decks. And the colors speak to you. The symbols speak to you. And once again, we're back to the symbols. It's all about the symbols on the card. I always tell people, when you buy the tarot, yeah, look at the book. Then put it aside and make it your own. Because... 
everybody's intuition is a very personal thing, and I think you should use it in the workplace, your gut feeling, your intuitive feelings with your family, and it really does make your life more whole, I think. You're not missing out on anything. I mean, I even look around my room, and if I see something, sometimes I get a feeling that I think that that statue wants to be moved over there. The energy needs to shift. And just by moving one small item, whether it's a throw pillow or a statue, you've shifted the energy in the room. And when we become more aware that we're energy, everything around us is energy. And if you want something to change in your life, you have to get unstuck. And that may mean altering your routine a little bit or or moving a chair, moving a piece of furniture. And all of this sounds silly, but it works. I mean, I, I just had an experience yesterday with working with energy. Now, this is a lot of fun. And I, I forgot when I, we used to do this way back when I was a teenager, when I went through my Wicca phase, which a lot of people go through their Wicca phase, we would sit and make the phone ring once. And you'd be surprised how many times that would work. And that was so cool. That was before cell phones even existed. We're talking about landlines. We'd make it ring. So my repairman, he's an excellent guy. He's hard to get a hold of. You can call him and he may not get back to you for days and days. And I needed him, you know. <laughs> and this is the God's honest truth. I mean, like I would wear and take a lie detector test to it. So it was yesterday and it was about two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, I can't go through the weekend with not having, you know, this thing in my house repaired. So I figured, okay, use your personal magic. Now you can impose on the free will of others, so it wasn't really a spell. So what I did is I went outside because I wanted to be around nature and I, I took my finger and in the air I wrote his name and then I wrote it down three times in the air. Then I took my finger and around his name I did a clockwise circle three times because when you do it clockwise it's going to bring it to you counterclockwise you're going to take it away. And then I sat there and I just visualized his face in the middle of the circle. I swear to God <laughs> within like not even five minutes my daughter called out to me. She goes, somebody's at the door. I go, who is it? And she goes, it's the guy here to repair what you need repaired. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, wow, it still works, you know? Yeah. So I had like my, you know, my, my moment of like believing, trusting, get out of my own way. And yeah, we, we can, when, once we get ourselves in that place, we can bring things about. But the intention was to get something repaired, not to, you know, do anything weird to the guy. Right. And when, because when I get up in the morning, I've, I've started this, I say an affirmation or I love, I love the idea of pulling cards and everything else, but it is about setting your intention for the day and also for the rest of your life with that consciousness, right? And just making sure that you choose what um, you want to put out into that world. Because I, I do firmly believe that we're all human beings, but yet we're here, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And hopefully that is spiritual. And we forget that when you mentioned moving things around in the room and changing the energy up, I one of the biggest takeaways I hear for people is that if you're afraid, one, don't be to ensure that you are, you know, just trusting your own gut and your own intuition. Yes, we are human beings, but truly and first and foremost, we're spiritual beings. And because of that, sometimes we lose that connection and we want to trust what that is. And so if you get up and you like a certain color or you want something, just reflect on that and make sure that you understand and have a little bit of grace with yourself that you are experiencing this for a reason. And then just pull within yourself and say, okay, do I or do I not necessarily want to do this? And when you set forth anything with a positive, grateful, 
attitude and everything. I, I think that that is really what it's all about. And just also just embracing it as, as much as you can. When you do these little tricks, then you start to see other things that just pop up. You know, for me, for a while, it was numbers. Um, I, you know, I had a, fr- a dear friend of mine in college and she had lost her sister at a very young age. And but every time she saw the numbers 1111, she remembered that that was her sister's favorite numbers. And so she knew it was a message from her sister. So for me, it was numbers. You can see them on your clock or on your phone or whatever it is. Um, you know, you see you're driving down the highway and you just see something or on the radio station and that can resonate. And so you can look that up or what is that that hidden meaning? And that is just one of the greatest gifts I think we can give ourselves is just to be open and at least, you know, know that there is something else that's out there and just not be afraid of it. Exactly. That's what, when they say stay in the moment, it means like the moment means be aware of everything that's going on. Everybody, myself included, sometimes we're always thinking about what we're, what we're going to do in a few hours or what we have to do in a few days. So we don't realize in that moment when we're thinking of these things, we're co-creating what's going to happen. And if we're we're feeling anxiety, we're putting anxiety into what we're going to create. But if you just stay in the moment, almost like the peacefulness of a Buddhist monk, and you look around and you just, even if you're just in your room, and you just have a gratitude for what you do have instead of focusing on what you you really want to get, just that act of like being, having gratitude for what you have suddenly flips all the energy and it makes everything like start to sync up. And there is a certain rhythm in life, and when you get into the rhythm of it, it's not that bad. And to even take the times that seem more challenging as lessons, if you look at it as a lesson, it's not as bad as you think it is. It, it certainly brings about a certain inner peace. And getting back to things, I always ask people, if you have a lot of things in a corner of your room, like clear out the corner because stagnant energy will settle in corners. And when you have piles of clothes and books and junk, you're actually blocking things. You're blocking your your flow. It's like having a hardened artery somewhere. You're totally picking up on me, FYI, because I literally have books. I was going to clear clean it out this weekend because I was feeling stagnant. I was moving some stuff around some other closets and I'm in my bedroom and here uh-huh. I am sitting around with boxes. And as soon as you said clothes, I had an image of my closet and I'm, I'll am i have to take a photo and send it to you later. Maybe I'll post it <laughs> so you guys can see that I'm not making this up. But no, you were picking up on that because I'm like, even today, I'm like, why is the technology not working? I mean, it's the summer solstice, have everything kind of go and flow. And it's just been kind of a little rocky day today, you know, and now you even pointed out you just us sitting here talking, you're like, you need to clean out your closet and your room, Nicole. And, and yeah, to get burned a little sage in Palo Santo in that corner after you cleared out. But if your technology was not working the way it should, Mercury, and we all know what Mercury retrograde does to Mercury retrograde does to mechanical and electrical things and communications. It makes them a little nuts for a while. Mercury will go retrograde on July 7th, but today it actually enters its shadow phase. And it's funny, as an astrologer, I find that some people are more sensitive to that shadow phase before it goes retrograde than when it actually goes retrograde. So if anybody who's listening, you might want to keep that in mind during Mercury retrograde. Sometimes the little shadow phase can be more disruptive than and uh, the actual retrograde. You have such a great background of different modalities and things that, that you offer. If somebody, can you kind of unpack that for us and say, okay, well, if I, you mentioned earlier, we talked about that if you want to go to a psychic or you want to go to a medium and you want a reading done, but if you want a healing, if you want your charts done, 
where people may be in their areas of life and if they actually do need that help and they know on an intuitive level where they go. Because I, that, I think that's the biggest thing. I am lucky enough where I can reach out to my network and also little bit know where I need the help, right? It's like you need a house cleaner, you need your handyman, you can't fix the washer and dry yourself. But for the person that's not doesn't know all of these areas, where would you even suggest they start other than Google? I would say first of all, if if you I'm I'm a Reiki practitioner and I love Reiki because um it, it really did open me up to being more aware of my subtle bodies. And we just think we have the physical body. We don't realize we have the emotional body, the mental body, <laughs> you know, and if you can catch a problem while it's still like in one of those subtle bodies, then, then you're, you won't have a problem. It's when you don't catch it when it's there, whether it be thought form or physical condition, it'll show up in the physical world. So now you have to look at it. You know, I find a lot of people that maybe say have skin problems or something, they're not feeling comfortable about something in, that had happened in their life, whether it be a trauma from a past life or something they've experienced in this life, you get a Reiki, you, you get all the channels clear first. Now you're clear. Real quick, before you do that, can you explain if somebody's listening doesn't know what Reiki is, what Reiki is first and foremost? Before I took Reiki, I thought Reiki was some kind of like, is it a weird kind? Yeah, I say that it's acupuncture without the needles. Absolutely the, right. And I had an amazing Reiki master who her class was just, wow. And I'm not really a joiner. I'm more of like a lone wolf when I do things same or I'm better on just a one-on-one and when I took the Reiki class I thought you know what I'll probably go one day and I probably won't go back the second day so what I was mesmerized she explained how you know about the chakras there are energy centers how they relate to our psychic senses about awareness and how we clog our our whole system it's like putting bad gas in your car with negative thoughts and they lay there in our body and they may materialize into an illness or they just may materialize into a bad attitude or or going around your house breaking things and we don't know why we just think you know what happened to us so reiki helps push this energy it helps move these energy and i like what you said it's like acupuncture without the needle it starts to clear the channels and once you clear the channels a lot of people find that their own intuition kicks in. They become more, I guess you could say, intuitive, psychic about themselves, more aware. They feel better. They feel like, you know, life is more purposeful and they start to see, okay, if I can work with the energy. Now, you know, we, we choose to just live in the one dimension, the third dimension, but Reiki opens your eyes that we live in all the dimensions. So if you can't beat it on the lower level, go up to the higher level and work with the energy and then see what comes about. And anybody can do it. It's about intention and it's about really understanding what it is. Like you said, just don't Google it and then think you do it. Go to a Reiki master. You have to get a Reiki attunement. You have to become attuned. So I did the Asui method of Reiki and there are different methods, but the Asui method is what I'm familiar with. So once you're clear, or even if you don't want to take Reiki and you, you want some guidance, if you approach a tarot reading or an astrological chart reading more for insight instead of fortune telling, I don't even like that term, you know, you get so much more out of it. It's unbelievable what you can walk away with the information. And in the past, I have done a lot of radio shows and I always ask the who's ever doing the show, can we not have like the call in questions, because you might get two or three people that really legitimately understand what it is to get a reading. Then you always get the people that call up and say, can you give me a lucky number so I can win the lottery? That's not what it's about, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And if I got a lucky number for you, I'll definitely give it to you. But to 
to have me pull one out of the air. It's you're not a dog and pony show. You have to understand how psychic energy works. You know, it's the giver, the receiver, the intention. What energy are you around? Because energy is very sensitive. Or around negative people, you're going to attract negative situations into your life. It's very, very contagious. So that's also important about having boundaries too. You know, and and you get a reading. Understand what it is. Anything, if you hear something you don't like, you can change it. That's where your free will comes in because it's potential and possibilities. If you do get a prediction and a prediction still, you can, when you get the prediction, if you have the awareness, then you could do something to work around it or make it a smoother landing. And when you have that understanding, wow, the readings, you really get the most out of it. You connect in better with the person doing the reading also. And that's another thing. When you go to a reader, research them the way you would if you were going to a doctor or a specialist for a physical condition. Because these people are working with your energy. If they're not grounded and they're a hot mess, you know what? You're going to, it's that energy exchange. You're going to be picking up some of their nonsense too. You may not want to bring that home. Yeah, it it all goes back to from what we talked about originally, and it just seems to be a common.